You're listening to the Take Him With You podcast with Rick and Amy on the Stitcher Radio Network. Welcome to episode number 186 of Take Him With You for August 26, 2012. I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. We've got a great show ahead. Stick around. Now that she's back in the atmosphere with drops of Jupiter in her like summer and walks like rain reminds me that there's a time to change since the return of a stay on the moon she listens like spring and she talks like june So I, I don't think I'd ever heard of this group before, and then you watched them on a television program and wanted to know if I had any of their music. Yeah, my... Um, I think the next question was, can you download some on my iPod? Yeah, I like it. They're, they're kind of melodic, and who, they're kind who are of they? goofy. They're, the band's name is Train, um, and huh. I hadn't really heard of them either. My, my mom watches the Today Show. On, I guess it's the NBC or something. I'm you know that sure. people that have DVRs can watch today, tomorrow? Yeah, probably. Well, my mom doesn't. But you can never watch today, yesterday. Okay. But well, you can, really, technically. Well, maybe if you watched on satellite feed in Australia. No, that wouldn't work. Anyway. So no, they're in the future. We're in the past. So, anyway, my mom, I hardly ever, at our house, we don't turn the TV on in the morning. I just really don't. So, but I was cleaning my mom's house for her the other morning, yeah. um, Friday morning, and all summer long, they've had um, summer concert series. And to this last Friday, this was the feature band that they had. And train. Train. And I'd heard some of their songs before, but I didn't know what band did them. Like, and so we, they, I really liked a lot of their songs we listened to, so... I thought they were kind of pretty, kind of goofy, but I like their compositions, and they have strings and some I do like the orchestration. Let's listen a little bit more, ready? Yeah, there you go. That Oh, there's the na na's. Na 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 na. 
kind of like they copied other bands, but that's okay. They're happy, I guess. Yeah, they're just. It's, I think they're. They have some Train. pretty music. You can, yeah. you can buy their music on iTunes. That's what I just did. Yeah. I bought that song called "Tears of Jupiter." Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So. So there you go. That's there your is happy-sounding music. Sure. I like happy-sounding music. Sure. Well, we'll be right back to tell you what's going on around our house. Today is a very uh, cool podcast. We're going to talk today about what well, we've entitled the program, Everything You've Wanted to Know About the Bible But We're Afraid to Ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. It's going to be fun. We're taking your questions from Facebook and um, and from my weird brain. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, what? We'll be right back. Just as I thought. A miniscope. With us as your hosts, Sarah and Andrew Gilbertson. It's just like our trailers. There's Robson's helicopter in there, but there hasn't got a driver. I've been dying to get my hands on one of those things. Come on. From Hartnell to Smith. And everything in between. When I say run, run like a rabbit. At least of the ones we've viewed so far, which is all but the 7th and the 8th, which is very exciting to us. We're closing in. What we need is a cave, some utterly comfortless place where you and I can suffer together. So we've done like the entire run of the 3rd, 4th, and 5th Doctors. In a year, and that's pretty crazy. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back, don't look away, and don't blink. As we explore the rich and wondrous and always entertaining past of Doctor Who. Good luck. I'm not saying I want the TARDIS to just be a machine. I just think it felt really weird to have it be personified as a person. What do you mean, my machine can't think? I do have to ask, in Planet of the Spiders, where are all these really cool animals that are on Metabelius 3. They've just been tamed by the spiders. Jim the fish. Oh, Jim the fish. How is he? So I don't know how long it's just going to be Tom Baker and Adric, which, by the way, the Doctor and a male companion alone is a dynamic we haven't had since, what, the first half of Evil of the Daleks? So actually kind of interesting. You speak treason fluently. Stop the game. They give you answers, but they don't give you why that's the answer. Street corner, two in the morning in a taxi home. I've never had a life like that. And, and yes, I'm sorry, Russell T. Davies, but the 13 regeneration limit is an established fact of canon referenced in like about 20 different serials, not just a little weird factoid that the fans have latched onto for no good reason. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. I felt like that episode was trying really, really, really hard. So... What are we going to do? Eat crisps and talk about girls? I've never actually done that, but I bet it's easy, girls. Yeah? We'll review classic serials. Discuss new episodes. List favorite trends. Whatever's on our mind. You can find us at www.nolinecinemas.com. So come on by each week and hear which part of Doctor Who's nearly 50-year saga that we've got under the miniscope. Fun. Yeah, we're going to have to tell uh, our pastor, actually, about this, because she's a big Doctor Who fan. Well, you know, 
I guess if anybody was going to get me to watch Doctor Who, it might be Sarah and Andrew. Yeah. I tried Because we like them. Time. They're really cool. Yeah. I tried watching Doctor Who, but I think I got a not You didn't like the good... rubber monsters. Yeah. It's just, it just reminded me of the cheesy um, villains on like Power Rangers or yeah. something like that. But I heard that, that not all of them are that corny. Some of the stuff's better. <coughs> yeah. But that there are so many well, people that are huge Doctor Who fans. Most of my friends are Doctor Who fans. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, most of my, my friends from the internet and from around the world love Doctor Who. And I think it's really cool that Andrew and Sarah are doing a new podcast all about Doctor Who. I think it's cool. Yeah. They they are just really a fun couple to, to talk with. And I love listening to uh, Sarah. She's from the Anomaly Supplemental podcast. Mm-hmm. And she's been on that several times. Yeah, I've, I've We listened to her Babylon 5 review and yeah. a couple of other things that she's done. And she's done a mm-hmm. great job. But we, and, I, and I work with Sarah now on some projects um, with the... Which we my cannot fr- really talk about No, yet. but my friend Stefan from Australia, who's a producer and a writer and mm-hmm. all sorts of other things. Chief bottle washer and other things. Anyway, he... Um, is working with Sarah now. So that means I'm working with Sarah now on audio dramas and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy working with her. And so, even though we're not always in the same room at the same time. Well, or, it's kind of interesting because you're in. I'm like, all the way across the United States. Yeah, on this one project, you have a collaboration of West Coast U.S., East Coast U.S., um, the U.K., and... Down under and Australia. you forget the Midwest because Texas is in there now. Jan's part of it too. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. And then I'm not sure whether we, we have another uh, actor going to be involved in it, but I don't know where they're from, so it could be anywhere. I don't know. Mm. That's the beauty of the world now. It's so small. It's very small. Okay. Lots smaller than it was. All because of the wonderful and ingenious internet invented by Al Gore. It's not Al Gore. Al Gore. Not Eeyore or Al Gore. Yeah. We actually, I actually found out something by watching the opening of the um, Olympics because they, they actually had the man who invented the internet. The actual yeah. guy? Yeah. What was his name? Internet? No, I can't remember. Hello, his Mr. Name. Internet. But he was a British chap. A British chap? Yes. So Brit- the Brits invented the internet. According to, yeah. According to them, that's According it. They, them, they were the ones hosting it, you know. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I know that, like, the military had some kind of um, internet kind of thing. Know but, your facts before you state but, them, lady. But I guess the World Wide Web, the guy from... WWW. The guy from Great Britain mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did, the, <coughs> did the World Wide Web as we know it today. Right. But I can't remember his name. Well, that's good. Sorry. I'm, I bet you all of our friends from the UK know his name. They probably do. And we have a lot of friends from the UK. So just, start shouting right now. Maybe we can hear you. Just kind of like how we all know the name of Neil Armstrong. And Oh, that was sad. Say, you bring it up. He died today. Yeah. Well, he, away. he died on Saturday. Was it today? Saturday, today's the Saturday. 25th. Mm-hmm. And I think he passed away today. That was very sad. Yeah. The first man to ever walk on the moon. He was the same age as my mama, too. Oh, that's exciting. 
My mom's in great health, though, so I'm keep hoping to keep her. He had had heart longer. surgery, and this is I think this is the reason that he passed away yeah. from complications from that. Well, you know, 82 is a pretty good age for a you know. Somebody man said that they should they should the moon and back. bury him on the moon. Hmm. I don't know. That might be challenging. Well, NASA could do it. They could just shoot him right up there. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. His family might want to go visit his grave and stuff. Well, that would definitely be difficult. That would be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough oxygen. (laughs) Among other problems. Well, yeah. I guess. At least currently we don't have the technology just to, you know, beam up there. So Beam up there. It's it would be it would be a, a big task to go and decorate his grave for Memorial Day or something. That would be hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, so this is an uplifting podcast. Hey, everybody! Isn't this exciting? What's been happening for you this week? Well, guess what? What? Only less than a mile. Well, okay, maybe two miles from our house, but a mile by as the crow flies. Okay. Is a Seven Eleven here in our in our little uh, rural area of Aberdeen? And what does that have to happen? What does that have to do? Well, with? an Aberdeen High School English teacher bought a lotto ticket. Ever since 1984, they've been buying a lotto ticket with the exact same numbers, and they have not won anything hardly at all until. Couple few days ago, and they won three point five million dollars less than a mile from my house. Wow! Yeah, three point um, five million dollars. And you know, I'm just ticked off because I should have won, but then I realized we don't play the lottery. If you don't buy a lottery <laughs> ticket, you can't win. Well, we, yeah. and we have a friend, and uh, you really need to look this up on YouTube. It's called Brett Plays the Lottery, and it's one T, so B R E T plays the lottery Mm -hmm. he has been playing uh he's been spending five dollars a week Mm -hmm. all year on lottery tickets and he is keeping track of how many win and how many lose Mm -hmm. he's doing the scratch tickets yeah and uh it's really quite an amusing video to watch every week Mm -hmm. and uh, he's proving the fact that the lottery is really a big scam and that hardly any i mean the odds of getting hit by lightning are more in your favor than winning the lotto or yeah. winning the even the scratch ticket stuff. Eventually, if if people play long enough, they might win something. But you have to add all your time and money that they played for years. Like the one guy that won the $3.5 million, he's been playing every week since 1984. That's like 27 years. Yeah, well, 27 years to win 3.5 million is a lot of money. Yeah, but that's a lot of money that he's put into it too. What I thought was cool when I, I read years. the article about this couple that yeah. uh, that won in there. They're um they're highly involved in the um, Relay for Life, the cancer walk oh, cool. up in the Elma area. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to give some money towards that. Well, and, and one thing that's nice is that school teachers here in the United States anyway don't usually make the hugest salaries. I no, mean, they can make we have our priorities money. all screwed up. Our athletes make all this money 
huge amounts of money and our teachers make nothing hardly. But people who are training up and preparing the next generation for life don't make very much. Which is just screwy. Um, so it's kind of cool that a teacher... Yeah, it is. One and I'm very happy also for them. that's a community-minded and uh, charitable person. That's neat. One of the kids we had in youth group uh, wrote on their Facebook post that they had this guy for an English teacher, and they said it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He just awesome. well-deserved, and I think that's really cool. When something like that, you know, sometimes you can see some of these folks that won the lottery, and you scratch your head and go, what? And you just wonder how this all works. And yeah. then you then you get somebody that wins, and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Then you just pray for them because the shows we've watched is the lottery curses a lot of people more than blesses. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden I've, you got to figure out what to do with all that money and how do you manage it, and all these people come out of the woodwork wanting mm-hmm. money from you. And, oh, I, my gosh. I'm not sure if this is <coughs> totally accurate statistic, but something like 80% of people who win a big lottery in five years are more in debt. Weird. Worse off financially than before the lottery. I wonder what it would be like, win. though. I, you know, I wouldn't mind finding out. Uh, I don't know. I do. I don't know. I You're mean, like scared. I'm like, are you kidding? Do you know how many? <laughs> well, I there was there was one family I saw on one of those TV shows that won the lottery, and the wife was still using coupons at the grocery store. It's like you don't need to and do that. He was he was like. Wanting just to spend, spend, spend. And she's like, come on, let's think about this. You know, let's not go crazy. And Would you be like that? I doubt probably. it. I don't think so. If you got that much money, I think you'd go out and buy things. Oh, I would probably I would probably want to pay off our house and get all the way out of debt and put some money away. And I think if we won a huge amount of money, we would be able to not only bless our family, but we have yeah. a bunch of cool friends that we could really help and and uh, and I'm sure there'd be plenty left over to do some cool stuff yeah. with. So, well, yeah. we're not the most complicated folks. So in the world, I guess but. we're famous for a moment in time because one mile from our house, yeah. a nice couple won three point five million dollars. Yeah. That's nice for them. Guess what I won this week? What should you win this week? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay. I didn't win anything <laughs> except maybe the gift of life. That's a good. thing. That's a good thing to win. That's a good thing and. And you got something exciting in the mail today. Well, actually, our dog Jay did. Oh, yeah. There's this place called, um, what's it called? I don't know. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I told you what it was. It's, um, oh, I, why did you say that without me? Hey, Andrew, can you bring the, the little treats in here that Jay got today? Jade got some treats. I ordered her some a sample of treats in the mail. That are made by a company up in the Olympia area. And so they sent them to me. And you, did you do a commercial for them or something? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I thought you said so you heard about them. Okay, they're called okay. Bonjour Pet Treats. No, no. Bonjour. Bonjour. Get it? Yes. Bonjour Treats. And uh, what's in them? Well, this is what's funny is they smell really good. You want to eat them yourself. They smell like Amy a, eats dog treats. I don't, but Amy I want eats dog to. treats. They smell like better an than the bacon cookie. smell. Oh, they smell so good. They have oat flour. Let's see if she likes it. Jade, flour, come here. Come on, Jade. Rolled oats, peanut butter, honey, safflower oil, eggs, and Jade. vanilla. Come they on, are a gluten-free. Jade. Oh, there she is. Okay. Gluten-free dog. All right, Jade. This everybody, our dog Jade is on the. Just a minute. She's on the podcast. Okay, here we go. Get the microphone down there. Oh, oh just a minute. Get the microphone Jade, down there. Jade, Jade, okay, here we go. And 
There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, now, Jade, come here. Come here. Come on. Come on up here. Tell me what you thought of it. Come what here. What do you think, Jade? Come here. Come on. What'd you think of what'd you think of it? She just <laughs> bit the microphone. Because I have this this the furry tribble on the microphone. Furry tribble thing. So she bit the, the microphone. That's what she thought about the treats. She just bit it again. She likes the <laughs> treats a lot. She did. Oh, and they smell so good. It's all I can do not to eat her treats. You probably could eat them. They, I mean, all the ingredients are things that we put in our own cookies. So. Well, um, that's pretty good. Anyway, yeah. she's pretty excited about getting her treats in the mail. She was pretty yeah. excited. I got some iPod, uh, iPad accessories in the mail this week. and. Catherine bought some shoes off eBay so oh. for school. Why are we talking about all our purchases? <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. understand. You asked but, me how my week went. Yeah. And well, you know, she got something in the mail. That was exciting, but yeah. it was for our dog. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's really exciting. I'm so, sure everybody's loving this. You had a good work week. You've been working, well, almost a good work week. You had a, <sighs> one day that you worked seven hours on a song that you were doing for a client. Well, and I have to say that my friend Stefan, again, from uh, from Australia is a hero of mine because... All those times when he was computer hacking the video games back in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. paid, off. paid off because he was able to take a corrupt GarageBand file and redo something in the binary code is what he, he said to me. it or something. I don't remember what it was and get it to <laughs> translate onto his um, MacBook or something and then was able to render it and I got it back at least 80% of the song back. So saved me seven hours of work, of more work that I would yeah, have had to do to recreate it. it. And then I was able to record the vocals and some other <laughs> instrumentation <coughs> and send it off. And he got his song. And um, it's a demo song for somebody else to sing. Somebody else wrote the lyrics. A lady from Australia wrote the lyrics. I wrote the music and sang it for the demo. And now the karaoke track then will go to the singer who's actually going to sing it. Mm -hmm. And then they'll record the vocals and send the vocals alone without the music to me. I'll put it back into mix the song, it into the mix karaoke. it into the, to the, not the karaoke track, no. to the actual song, mm -hmm. and then produce the song for an upcoming um, audio program. That's boring to you? She's yawning. No, I'm just tired. But hey, um, you made me yawn. Sorry. Yeah. Are I, you yawning yet? Because it's catchy. We don't know why say, it's catchy, but it is. Um, it's pretty. If anyone out there in the the wide world of podcast listeners here um, knows anything about GarageBand. Uh. Please help my husband. So frustrating. Because this is like the third big project that, that you crashed. had crash on you. Well, I think what I'm going to do, I the, the recommendation of uh, Tim and um, Stefan and Dan from the UK, uh -huh. um, they all recommended that I um, go ahead, and Al mm -hmm. from Arizona recommended that I... Um, uh, reinstall GarageBand on my iPad. So I, ha but because I had 150 songs, <laughs> yeah, two gigs of of song information on my iPad. Mm -hmm. I had to. I bought a program. Unfortunately, I had to buy a program um, to <laughs> that uses <coughs> the iPad as a big hard drive. See, th this is the bad thing about. Okay, Apple products rock. They are fantastic, except for file management. 
Microsoft got file management correct because they do Explorer. And you can go into your hard drive and you can manage your files and your data and all that jazz. In Apple, I don't know what they were thinking. Either they were being trying to be, pri- pri- how do you call it? Proprietary. Thank you. Yeah. Or or they just didn't think it through. But on Apple products, it is like pulling teeth to find files on stuff. It, it, it just isn't an easy thing to do. So this company came up with a program called iExplore. Mm-hmm. And for, I think it was 35 US dollars that I bought it for, but I bought it through the business. Be- and then you can go in and you can actually see your entire hard hard drive on your iPad and your iPhone and your iPod touches. And mm-hmm. it allows me, so I saved, long story short, I saved all two gigs of GarageBand information on my regular PC and backed it all up. So now I can erase what's on my iPad start fresh and i think that might solve my problem i think the program just i mean i use my ipad more than most people use their ipad and then and then because of our business and all of your we have double or triple redundancies don't we for your backup yes we have like an online backup carbonite carbonite i have a um, hard drive and then some of your stuff would be on the cloud too my friend rick got me a really cool hard drive that's a two terabyte hard drive that has backs up stuff. But don't you have stuff on the cloud also? So you have yes. like a triple redundancy on top Boy, of. Boy, you sound really. On top of what you have you sound really on your hard drive, your like regular hard drive. Techie. It's kind of nice. <laughs> no. Triple Maybe redundancy. We stop podcasting here. <laughs> Just kidding. What? Oh my gosh! <laughs> it seemed like you were really, you know, thinking I was nice. <laughs> redundancy there. It's just how you said that. <laughs> Triple redundancy. Oh, don't keep saying it. <laughs> Unless you uh, want some problems on your hands. <laughs> oh, the things that that make a geek tick, I guess. <laughs> Shh. No more jokes about touchscreens now. Stop. Where were we? <laughs> I don't know. So my plan is to reinstall GarageBand on my iPad yes. and see if that solves the problem. If it does not. Well, and I think getting some of the well, stuff even if off it does, there too. I've saved up the money to buy, if they come out with it, if the rumors are true, the iPad mini should be out here in about a month. Which we're still having disagreements about because... It's only $200, they say. We'll see. Okay, but this is why... And it, it's going to go into my studio, and it has a, a bigger processor than It has the a regular bigger iPad. processor, but it has a screen about half the size. I don't care. So when you're doing your detailed thumb jam and... and um, I can do it still. I don't know. I do. I don't. I do. I don't. I do. I think you should do it the opposite way, except no. for then you don't have as big a processor. Do you want me to buy? Oh, well, if you want me to buy uh, an iPad 3, I can. I can do that. No, I kind of like it. It would be way, it's I triple like the money. I pay for the triple PD the bill money. and the mortgage and stuff instead. Triple. Do you want me to spend triple redundancy? No. You can tell this is not doing to me what it did to you. <laughs> I'm saying no. <laughs> Oatmeal cookie. What? I'm trying to say things that you would get all excited about. What What did you say? Oatmeal cookie. Oatmeal cookie. <laughs> Bread. Cereal. 
Okay, I'm a carb addict, but we don't need to let everyone know that. <laughs> you forgot pasta. <laughs> I was hoping you'd let me buy an iPad then. No, it doesn't yeah, work. Well, I am getting one, though. The mini. The mini iPad. We'll see. We'll talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> you Look, I started the program three weeks ago talking about it. And we're still talking and then about this, it. And then the next program I started. This pro- by this program, I'm getting one. You know, my daughter. One our, more home run. Our, da- our daughter said to me, she goes, well, you know, her one of her best friends is turning 15 and she's had her license long enough she can drive her places. And mm-hmm. so her friend wants her to take her to Olympia to go out to her favorite Thai restaurant. What does this have to do with iPads? Well, she told me, well, uh, you know, the camping trip, I just bugged you long long enough so many times that you finally gave in to let me go to the camping trip so she thinks if she bugs us enough times that she'll that will let her drive you her friend to Olympia pushover, pushover and, but you know what I just realized where she got that from hey stop it <laughs> what are you trying to say that she gets her tenaciousness about you know or mm. obsessive compulsive behavior I'm, okay, we should go to a break, and then we'll be right back with today's subject, which is everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. Okay. Right you, here on the mini iPad show. You never asked what happened with my week, but I guess I'm not important. Well, we've already hit 29 minutes, so I don't know. What okay. happened with your week, dear? Well, we'll talk about my week next time. No, what happened with your week, dear? Gosh, I'm going to get... Letters now. Nothing exciting. So go ahead and go on. Were you going to say anything at all? Not really. Not really. (laughs) I I didn't have anything burning with excitement. So go ahead and go on to your promo. I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. (laughs) I will get listener comments. I know I will. I will. They'll say, you didn't let Amy talk. You're really selfish. (laughs) By the way, um, I'm doing a wedding tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I went to the rehearsal with you tonight. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So play your promo. Play my promo? I don't have a promo for oh, me. somebody's promo. Hi, I'm Rick, and hey, hey, I'm a promo. Play somebody's promo. You might want to backspace a little bit on the, the what? editing. What? Just go pluck a chicken or something. On September 22nd, 2004... Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles, and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island. The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama Lost ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23, 2010, and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce. And I'm Al. And on our show, Lost Flight 815, we'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and lost facts while you listen to the episode with us. So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com 
and relive one of the greatest shows of all time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LostFlight815. Well, as as you know, our podcast is uh, it talks about a lot. We talk about a lot of different subjects, mm-hmm. but we had a suggestion from one of our listeners not too long ago now to talk a little bit about facts about the Bible. Uh, so here we are. We're gonna. That's what we're 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 quoting. We're we're blah blah blah. So we're doing something today. Doing I don't something. know what it is, <laughs> but it, no, I do know what it is. It's okay. everything you wanted to ask about the Bible, but we're afraid to, and so. Here we are. Yes, and we had some good questions on Facebook. I have to get to them. And you had some questions. I've got too. them all written down. You don't have to go, go to them. Oh, okay. You have the questions written down? Yeah, but I just thought we would start off kind of in the premise of, you know, talking a little bit about the Bible and some facts about it before we get into the questions that people have. Mm-hmm. And you just wanted to jump into the questions. And oh. our cats are hungry. Okay, yeah. What are and, you doing? Well, I had a notebook here with my notes on it. It's a May- black notebook. Maybe <laughs> she'll have to find that black notebook. Yeah, I think I do. I I bet it fell. I bet the dog knocked it over. She did. She was eating treats. Yes. And that's how that she works. She got all excited. I found my notebook now. Okay. So I think sometimes it's it's an interesting thing in the world. Like we talked about last week, we said, you know, read it for yourself and see what it has mm-hmm. to say. Because a lot of times people will will just assume that the Bible says a certain thing mm-hmm. without actually reading it themselves. And, and that's where I think a lot of misconceptions happen in the world today about what Christians believe or what, what the Bible says. Even a lot of Christians never read the Bible. Yeah. And as a result of that, they're they're getting filtered information from someone who may mean well and some that don't mean well. Mm-hmm. And and it's really quite sad because you really need to read it yourself so that you can see what it has to say. And anyway, so so I think a lot of people are turned off by the Bible, even though it's the best selling book of all time. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been reproduced more than any other literature ever been translated into more languages, languages than, than any, any other book, any other book. Mm-hmm. so there's something about it that you know some people would say it's mystical or it's magical or or whatever but um there's something about it that's different than other books mm-hmm and so i think that really is the appeal to folks but like i say we now, in this day and age, are so spoiled by having so many versions and copies and a, a plethora of of uh, resources oh, to get the Bible. Right? You, we've got all these sources for the Bible. When the, a few hundred years ago, this was not the case. Well, it, it used to be in the Middle Ages well, and, and well, stuff. It was if they they did have copies of the Bible. But they were often chained to a pulpit because they were so valuable. They didn't have mass printing presses, so they had to be 
copy by hand and so what 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 yeah. I was what I was trying to say though is that because of the amount and the easy and and how easy it is to get your hands on scripture today mm-hmm. I think it's become less treasured and less, less valued yeah especially by people that have never read it before because they're not interested in it because of the behavior of the people that claim to follow what it says mm. And and then some t- people are just lazy. They just they don't read, and so they don't they don't care, and they don't want to hear what's in it. And then there's other people that are very curious. What does the Bible have to say about this or that? I find that a lot of people that I know are curious, but they don't have a forum or a medium to talk about it without getting hit over the head to join a church or to join a class or or be converted to a certain religion. You know. Unfortunately, that our society is that way, and and so because of that, I think there's a lot of people that just don't they don't know what it says, mm-hmm. and they don't really care to know what it says because well they do, but they just don't know how to go about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make any? Am I making any sense, or am I just babbling on? No, I I think that that's good, and and that's one nice thing about the podcast because we're not a denominational podcast well now you say denominational and that just flips a bunch of people like to what what do you mean by that are you we're not promoting a specific church or religion we're just well promoting a relationship with god okay well i would say that we do major us mostly on christianity yeah but we're not so if you wanted to a particular brand of christianity there you go you know that well, some people, you know, this isn't this isn't for this podcast, but some people have asked before, why are there so many different <coughs> um, takes on Christianity? Why are there so many different denominations or groups? And um, boy, the answer to that question is really easy because there's so many different kinds of people. Yeah, why does Baskin Robbins have at least thirty-one flavors? That's at a least lot more than that, but because people like because different they like things. Different things, and so different churches. And groups of churches have different things that they emphasize and don't. And so you have a, a huge amount of different types of churches. Mm-hmm. And even within each type of church, you're not going to please everybody. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> in the church, I, I know the church I grew up in, it was funny because... I'm going to preach there coming up. Yeah, but I Two was, Sundays in a row. I was talking to my mom. I I like hymns, but I like more contemporary worship style and... and um. My my mom mentioned, well, you know, your aunt would only like to have hymns. She doesn't really like the choruses. And, you know, and even in the same church, you have okay, people that enough. like all different yeah. kinds of styles and flavors of and ways of doing things. And so, yep, that's why. Um, there are 66 um, books. In oh, the you're going to change gears all of a sudden? Oh, I thought we were talking. You were about talking. We were else. talking about denominations, and oh. then you switched gears. I thought that without I kinda introducing got off. what you're searching, switching. Okay, why don't you rewind then? Okay, um, I guess my wife was going to start talking about facts about the Bible. Oh, so okay. here's a few facts about the Bible that we've dug up for you. Okay, um, there are sixty-six <laughs> um, books by many different authors. Um, the unique thing about the Bible is that the Bible claims to be given by God himself. Okay, now how does the Bible claim that? Well, um, there's a scripture 
Okay. And many scriptures, actually. But the one I wrote down in my notes is from the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, that says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so the question that begs itself mm-hmm. at this point is, number one, <laughs> um, what determines, who determines what scripture is? And, yeah. that way, mm-hmm. right? And when Second Timothy was written, mm-hmm. did they have the same Bible that we have? Okay, so let's answer those. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the first one is... When sec- Okay, who determines? Who determines what Scripture is? How do we know if what we have in our hands is actually Scripture from back then? Okay. How do we know that? When Timothy, Second Timothy, when this verse I just read was uh-huh. written... This is in the New Testament. They, they had already an established canon or recognized books that were inspired of God. So somebody, so a group of people decided. And and those were the, at the time. These books are inspired. Yeah. And what I'm talking about right now Mm -hmm. is the Hebrew scriptures. When Jesus came, there was a canon or an acceptable that many Many, the Torah, the Torah, or the Septitude, the there's different words. First five books in the Old Testament. Well, plus there's the Law and the Prophets and okay. the poetic books. Um, there were very specified books that were considered holy writings or sacred texts okay. that were considered inspired by God. God breathed and so who who the authors that wrote them then there was a consensus of the religious people at the time that these authors were inspired by God to write them yes okay and, and do we know do we know how far back that is well the first um, book like the book of Genesis um, <clears throat> was I have a very good reference book here called The Bible Reader's Companion, Your Guide to Every Chapter in the Bible by Lawrence O. Richards. Anyway, Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. It was nice of you to do all that research for us. <laughs> um, the, the book of... Actually, I think the book of Job was considered one of the oldest, the oldest? books. Okay. Um, but let me see. I've got to look for. No, I wasn't asking about specific Um, ones. I was twenty one hundred BC was Job. About the same time as Genesis. Okay, what? What I meant was, when did they have this Torah or this this particular set of scriptures that was considered canon? When did that happen? Do we know? Well, the, it's been around for a long, long time. Um, 
And what's interesting is I don't know I don't know exactly when the oldest copy of the whole Old Testament was, but I one of the hard things is there's there are tons, but there I are think, tons of hard things. No, there are tons of of old scriptures, but not as many as like the New Testament because the way they the scribes wrote the the Old Testament out. They didn't have copy machines or printing presses. <laughs> no, and they they wrote it on leather or papyrus, and they had such detailed direction for writing these these copies of the old testament out that they couldn't make any mistakes if they made a mistake that to start over they counted every single letter and they knew the middle letter of every line what it was supposed to be they had everything they knew how many letters were in the whole old testament not just words but letters i mean everything was counted meticulously and when a copy of the scripture started to wear out they replaced it and they buried the the copy that was starting to get worn because they they thought so highly of the word of god that they they you just, just call it the word of god you mean okay, the scriptures the scriptures okay they thought so highly of it they didn't want to like damage it beyond repair so when so it they started, buried it they buried it and one <laughs> of the unique things is i when i was reading here they found and many people have heard of the dead sea scrolls and i believe the copy that they found was okay when the discovery of the dead sea scrolls i'm reading out of the book right here texts of the old testament dating as early as 200 bc so that's over 200 years before christ so when they matched up what they found when they matched up they were the same i mean almost identical to to content you know newer newer versions of the hebrew um the only odd difference was they didn't have the book of esther in there um and I'm not exactly sure. See, it was odd that they would even find them in such good repair, but they were sealed in jars for some reason, which made you think that maybe the peop- some people had put them in this cave for safekeeping, thinking they were going to come back to them because normally they wouldn't be buried or sealed in jars like that. So they were pretty well preserved, though, and... And that's a, you know, pretty old, um, I mean, that's way over 2,000-year-old copy of the Hebrew Scriptures. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. Okay, well, we've got a real, a, a really, inter- so we don't really know then when the first group, we don't know the group that met together to say, okay, this Not is canon. Not the Old Testament. There's, there are many different groups that met to... To verify the New Testament. And okay. I have the names and in, in some stuff about who verified the New Testament. And there was a test they took, wasn't it? 
Yeah, there to there find were. out which ones they felt were inspired and which ones weren't. Yeah. Because there are okay, well we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Kyle on Facebook asks a very interesting question. He says, mm-hmm. Is there anything within the Bible to insinuate that further books will be written in the future? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Because you know, there's a lot of people that would say, well, the Bible isn't all the way done being written yet. Okay. And so the question is, are there going to be more books added to the Bible? Or what do you think? Well, I think you had a couple of scriptures that you thought answered well, that question. Well, I, I don't know if it answers the question, but it, there are... There is a, a general belief that there's a warning in Scripture in, in the book of Revelation that says that you're not supposed to add mm-hmm. to this book. Now, whether it's referring to the whole of Scripture or it's just referring to the book of Revelation, I don't know. Revelation was supposed to be the the last in the line of, of books to finish it all off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually the revelation of John. Or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. By by John. By John. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. And there's also a scripture in Galatians that that talks about not having another gospel that even if an angel... Okay, the, okay, the word gospel means good news. Yeah. So if somebody comes bringing a different good news... The other one says, hey, you know, this whole Jesus coming back thing, forget that. You know, the planet Jupiter is coming back, and it's really a lot better for you. That would not be considered then the same gospel that was taught by the apostles. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, that would not be a book that or a writing that would be acceptable for us. Mm-hmm. So it's got to have certain things. So to answer that question, basically... If you look over everything, uh, the general consensus from theologians and people that believe the Bible and serve God, um, the God of the Bible, is that, no, there won't be any more books of the Bible, mm-hmm. and that um, there won't be any new ones coming in the future, that it's already been set in place, and there won't be any more. That's the general consensus. Right? Yeah. Okay. Our cats are hungry. That That's it. Of the majority of church leaders are, yeah. And people over the ages. This isn't just, we're not, I mean, we're talking about people for thousands of years have thought this. Mm -hmm. That, that, and, and very, very, very smart people, people that have committed their life to understanding scripture and, you know, all that jazz. So we're not, I mean, I'm just Rick. You're just Amy. Mm -hmm. But some of these folks have spent all their life studying and they know it backwards and forwards and they know the history and all the relevance and all that jazz and they would they would have they would say no there wouldn't there aren't going to be any more books this is already done and set and if you think about it eternally the bible does talk about the future Mm -hmm. Uh, there are several places where it talks about what will happen later on and it does talk about the end of the age at the w- like what happens at the end of time a new earth and, yeah the whole the whole yeah. schmear it's there it's in revelation really interesting book and even some of the old testament um books yeah, talk about, about yeah. kind of the end of time yeah and um all kinds of the book of daniel is pretty fascinating if if someone wants to 
jump in there. Jump in there yeah. and go, wow. So thank you, Kyle, cool. for that yeah. great question. I don't know if we answered it well enough for you, but uh, you know, we don't claim to know everything, but we we've heard a lot of questions and we've done a lot of reading and research ourselves. So yeah. Okay. Um, and you wanted to know. We talked about the canonization of the Old Testament. I do. Well, now wait. Let's let's go by. Oh, okay. okay. So Wayne asks. Okay. On Facebook, who decided what books got canonized? Now let's talk about that. What that word means, because I I wrote facetiously, of course. What the Bible got shot out of a cannon? <laughs> but um, um, and for my geeky friends, it would be like this, um. Star Wars canon. Or Star Trek. Star Trek canon. <laughs> you know, like um, Spock would not... I mean, if they wrote a book, a Star Trek book, and Spock came from the planet um, Mars, it would not be considered part of the canon because Spock came from Vulcan. Okay. And so when we talk about the canonization of Scripture, what we're talking about is who decided what books became the Bible and which books are in line with the other books. And, and this is the official, you know, like the authorized version. Okay. Who dis who decided what got canonized? Okay. Now, are we talking Old Testament or New Testament? We're talking about the whole Bible. Okay. Well, the Old Testament, there's all kinds of different historians like Josephus, we've talked about him before. Mm -hmm. He he was a contemporary of Jesus Christ, and he um, talked about the Jewish people having um, sacred texts of the Bible that the same amount of books as we have today. It might have actually been denied, been divided a little differently, but they're exactly the same amount of words. So, so, so the way was, that it's broken apart may be different, but the actual words that were there are the same. Yeah, like we would say first modern, and second kings. Yes, in modern times, we believe that there are thirty-nine books in the Old Testament. Right. Earlier times, they didn't separate several of the books, so there was only 22 books. So First and Second Samuel would be Samuel. Yeah. And First and Second Kings, Kings would be, be Kings. Kings. Okay, First and it. Second Chronicles. Chronicles. Hmm. And many of the apostles or, or the followers, disciples of Jesus, quoted from the Old Testament books. Um, you know, and it even talks in the New Testament about Jesus reading um, s several of the passages from the Old Testament. So if you're a follower of Christ and he's reading from the Old Testament, I, I think, you know, for me, that tells me he thought it was pretty good writing. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, so that was, there's a lot of different, the Old Testament was considered pretty much nailed down um for a long time now now we know that the same because some people say well um has it has the bible changed over the years how do we know what we have right now is the same as what they had back then well like i said you know the the texts that they found that are like 2200 years old from uh -huh. 
from the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were virtually the same as what you would get in a, a synagogue today. Like a Bible bookstore, you could go buy the same thing. The Hebrew. Um, but there were there were some minor changes in the Hebrew text because the original ancient Hebrew didn't have vowel sounds. So um, in time, they began adding different accent marks to represent vowels. Same words, but a little bit different symbol, just like in in English, um, our, our formal language changed a little bit, um, where we got more standardized English. And the same thing happened with the Hebrew. They were the, the same meaning, none of the context changed, but how the symbols were written um, changed a little bit. But it was remarkably minor changes throughout the years with Hebrew. Like I said, they counted every word on every page. So we we have a fair wrote. so we know that it's it's pretty much dead on. Oh, the Hebrew Which in is itself, if amazing. you think about it, is a miracle. Yeah, the Hebrew is amazing and Because we know what it's like when you say one thing and then somebody else translates and then somebody else trans and so on. Sometimes it gets all messy. And the the Greek and Latin in the New Testament where the the New Testament was mostly written in Greek um, there are so many ancient texts and and copies of the New Testament that it's kind of amazing. I I think I read something that like the the um, Homer's Iliad that there were only like two hundred copies left, um, like of ancient writings of that, um, and yet there are thousands of old copies of the New Testament and very little differences. I I read that you can take all the Greek words if you go through the ancient um, New Testament writings and you pull out all the Greek words that maybe got translated a little bit different from Greek to Latin in different translations and put them on one half of one page. And when you looked at the words, none of the words changed the meaning of the the translation. Right, got it. They they might have been minor differences, but it didn't change any doctrine or any major. There thing. wasn't any. Yeah, okay. But there are, are are thousands of ancient New Testament writings. Um, there, over time. The, basically, the New Testament was written uh, from about 45 A.D. to about 90 A.D. So it took about 45 years okay. for the New Testament to be written. And, it, and it's a, a compilation of letters. Letters and, diaries. and kind of accounts like the first four books, where we, what we call the Gospels okay. or the Good News, are basically about the account of the life of Jesus Christ, his... Now, ancestry. isn't there somewhere? In, isn't there somewhere in Scripture that says that if there was all the accounts of what Jesus did in his lifetime, mm -hmm. that there wouldn't be enough volumes to hold all that information? Yeah, that's so kind of cool. So it it isn't an all inclusive account, 
And what's interesting is we could do a whole podcast on just the four different people who wrote those four books. Maybe we should. The Gospels. Maybe we should. Maybe we should talk about that next week. We could. Want to? Because they're pretty fascinating individuals. Yeah, because there was was Matthew, there was Mark, there was Luke, and there was John. Yeah. And not all of them are the ones you think they are. Well... And and some people get confused and think that all of them were apostles of Christ. Not all of them were. So we can talk about that next week. They all knew apostles or or close. And wasn't that one of the wasn't that one of the criteria that when when this now what group met together that said the New Testament was the well, New Testament? Because there were other books that some of the books weren't included at first. There, there were actually many different groups of people. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, to go through. I found this one website that has been invaluable. I'm really great website. What's um, it called? It's called um, Bible.org. Well, that works. And it's really great. And I, I looked at a lot of their resources, and they're very credible. So they're not resources. some fly-by-night weird cult group. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, so I'm trying to look through So this. if people have questions that we're not covering today, they certainly could go to yeah. Bible.org and yeah. probably get the answers they're looking for. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. So um, if you go back to the earliest formation of kind of the what we consider the new testament today it happened actually fairly quickly where probably by 100 a.d different local church bodies passed around letters that were written that were written to to the churches and pretty quickly they had um had People say, you know, this kind of goes with, this kind of backs up the other ones we've heard. And this, you know, they felt right about them. They weren't... Um, Some fly-by-night weird letter yeah, that came through. They, they seemed like they went with everything else. Um, so there were, were letters and accounts that were recognized as things that should be read to in the church worship services. So then they compiled this together. Mm-hmm. And that And put their stamp the, of approval on it saying, we believe these are inspired. These books are were inspired people writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, were inspired by God to so write this. as early as AD 95, which would be shortly after the, the Apostle John wrote the last book of the New Testament... Clement of Rome mentioned at least eight of the New Testament books in a letter. And so, you know, even before 100 AD, several of the books were known as, you know, writings that were considered holy writings or inspired writings. And um, it goes on... um, in many different letters where different people, um, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Hypo- Hy- Hypolitus. 
<laughs> recognized 22 books. Um, and it was interesting that there were some books that they went back and forth on. About. Well, that one of our questions from Tim yeah. is he's always wondered what books were taken out of the Bible and why. Well, there were some of the books of um, Hebrews, James, Second Peter, and Second and Third John. Um, they went back and forth whether those should be recognized or not. Um, there was um, a Muraturian canon in AD. 170 so 100 the year of 170 um and they had a compilation of book re um, recognized as as the canon at that time um the early and that's pretty early in the church they included all the new testament books except hebrews james and one of the epistle of john um in the fourth century there was um there was a um, a guy named Anathanius, and he um, cited the twenty-seven books of the New Testament. Um, um. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, in three hundred and sixty-three, the Council of Laodicea stated that only the Old Testament and the twenty-seven books and the New Testament were to be read in the churches. The Council of Hippo, not that funny? Hippo. Hippo. Um, in AD 393, recognized the 27 books in the Council of Carthage. Carthage in 397 affirmed that only those are, are canonical books um, were to be read in the churches. So, so, so 397 was when it finally was settled what was in there. Through many, I mean, this is like from about 170 to 400 AD. They pretty much were the same. Um, and there was one of the biggest church reformers that most people have heard of. Um, in Martin our Luther. time was Martin Luther right. that started like the Lutheran the movement, um, Episcopalian, the Protestant movement. Right, right, right. Um, some people thought that he had a problem with the book of James also because he had made some comment about it being kind of straw or hollow compared to some of the other books. But his point of it wasn't that it wasn't inspired but it he thought that it didn't have as much doctrinal value that he thought it didn't have as much about salvation as it did as you you preached out of the book of james the other day and it had more about how a christian is to behave not how to become a christian right, right. and his thing was it didn't tell you as much okay. how to become a Christian. Okay, so we now we know how it was formed into canon. But, but the question now, I've heard that there are other books that the Catholic Church recognizes that the Protestant Church doesn't. Now, what what is that? The okay. Apocrypha or and something the, like that? I'm not sure how to say this other one, but Pseudepigrapha. <laughs> Pseudepigrapha? I'm okay. not sure. What's, is that a person? P, no, P. S I don't care that. -E what is it? P I. 
Well, they were books that were rejected by the Protestant churches because they didn't meet certain qualifications. Okay. And I and this will answer Tim's question. All right. Um, and there are several books, and some of them have historical value, but they they didn't meet these qualifications. So that's why they're so not. So in the Protestant church, then they had to meet these particular. Okay, and these are standards. the qualifications. Okay. Number one, that that they um, were authentic. Authentic. Like Authenticity. I, Oh, authenticated? Yeah, authentication of the divine side or inspiration, meaning that uh, did the book give internal evidence of inspiration of being God-breathed? So they want to know if did it have um, proper spiritual character? Did it edify the church? That means build up. Um, Was it doctrinally accurate? And so some people didn't believe that many people didn't believe that the Apocrypha held up to that standard, that the and book many, can bear evidence of high moral and spiritual value okay. to reflect the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what else, what were the other qualifications? Okay, that there was also authentication did i say that right i don't know on the human side and that meant there are three important factors here one was the author like we're talking about the new testament here was the author an apostle or did he have an endorsement of an apostle and we might talk about this next week because um mark wrote one of the gospels he wasn't an apostle, but he wrote the Gospel of Mark under the endorsement of the Apostle Peter. Okay, and, so what's the other qualifications? Okay. Um, then the universal acceptance of um, the church body at, at large. So... Everybody had to agree then, this is the right one, and this yeah, is not. Yeah, so, like, you know, they all prayed about it, and um, by that standard, a number of books were rejected because they said, you know, these seem like they they go together. This one seems like it's out of place, you know, so some were more gen- generally accepted. Okay, were there other things that they went by? Yes. What were the other ones? Um, let me see. I've got uh, A, B, and I'm looking for A, C. There's one more? Yeah, there is one more. I think this is interesting, though. So I wonder how many, um, what books are in the Apocrypha that we don't talk about in the in the Protestant church. I wonder what, what books those are. That would be really interesting to, to look at. Well, and I have one of the girls that, girls, one of our youth group girls that we had on the other day talking about the Twilight series. Mm-hmm. I believe she's read the Apocrypha and she told me, oh, you need to read 
the Gospel of Enoch or something. She goes, it'll blow your mind. (laughs) So, I mean, they might be interesting reads. Um, They they aren't, but for whatever reason, they weren't considered part of the canon. Now, the Catholic Church puts them in. Yeah, and you know, and and evidently, you know, if the Catholic Church put them in there, they're probably. You know, they they're, probably, well, they're probably felt legit. They're, well, yeah, they're good writings. Um, even if can you feed the kitties for me, please? Please. Even if not everyone agreed, so, um, yeah, and they have, and I think the Catholic Church has some doctrines that come from the Apocrypha that we, who weren't raised Catholic, don't have. Like I think. The concept of purgatory, right, comes out of that. Which, out of the apocrypha. Out of the apocrypha. Okay. Um, so there are certain doctrines that that are different because we don't have those books, and there, there. So, are, so to answer yeah. your question, Tim, head over to Bible.org, and you yeah. will get a list of the books that were at one time associated that were now or now not. Mm-hmm. And so, very, very interesting. So, this, this, you really have to take by faith and believe that God has looked over the Scripture over the years and and guarded it with people. Because, I mean, I know that that advocates of the Bible would say that, but there are people that don't think the Bible is an inspired book, and so they would be negative towards that and say, well, just a bunch of people, and how do we know this, and how do we know that? Well, you know, how do you know anything? It's it's difficult. It's not that um, that way by saying, well, it's not inspired. Blah, blah, blah. Well, then you're probably going to come up with that conclusion. But if you would take a little bit of time and look at the miracle of how it stayed together over time, and how it does agree. I mean, yeah, there's there's some places people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself, you know. And I've I've had people well, explain this, explain that, and I've always gone and looked at it. And it really hasn't ever really been difficult. I mean, I I've never looked at it and gone, oh man, my whole faith's shaken by that. Yeah. It, it's not something like that. It might be a, you know, sometimes there, there's a cultural thing. I I mentioned this the other day because. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus, it says not to cut the sides of a guy's hair. Uh-huh. And even God asked um, Samson in the Old Testament not to cut his hair at all. That, and there is a Nazarite vow that had there. And then in the New Testament, Paul talks about culturally that it wasn't natural for a man to, to wear, have long hair. So... On one hand, in specific instances to specific people in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. God said, don't cut your hair if you're a man. And then in the New Testament, Paul says it's not natural for a man to have long hair. He was talking about the culture of the Romans and Greeks. Which you can refer to our last podcast to understand that more. Yeah. (laughs) That what we were talking about. So So you've you've got to read the Bible with intelligence and with information. Cultural information and with, uh, you know, an open heart and open mind to look at instead of going, well, see, there it is, black and white, black and white. You you can't, nobody can, you don't learn that way and that's not how it works. Well, and the Bible's not meant to be a weapon. It's not meant to be something that someone uses to prove a point or to 
beat someone up with. Right. It, it's supposed to be something that draws you into a closer relationship with God. And one thing I wanted to point out on our notes, when I read that scripture, when I was writing it down today, it really um, dawned on me. Because I've heard this scripture read or Which quoted, one are you talking about? The one about all scriptures God breathed and, right. and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, on and on. And the thing that really got to me is it says, so that that the man of God or the believer, the, the Christian person, the follower of Christ, whatever you might want to call, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I think as we're talking about the Bible, that that's a good point because the Bible isn't just for us to get all this knowledge to make our brain really big and so we sound really smart and really educated and, you know, wow, look at all the history we know and all the the scriptures we can quote. But it was so that we can do good works, that there can be fruit in our lives of what this teaching has done in our hearts, that we don't just get bunches of knowledge so that our our heads puff up, but that our hearts can be changed and our lives well, can be changed and we can we and can you and I both know people that know the Bible inside and out but are not very cool people. That are mean. Yeah. yeah. That they don't li- they use it as a weapon and they hurt people with it. We we've known people like that, many. But But there are other people who will take that message and they'll enhance their life with it and live for God, and it changes the way they changes live. Changes their lives, and it changes the people the way, around them in a good yeah, way, not in, in a, a good way. weird way, not in a yeah. in a cult way, but in a real way. Which brings us to the other question that we got on Facebook uh-huh. from Jessica. Says so. <coughs> excuse me. In question form, then, um, how how is the Bible relevant to today's age? In other words, is the Bible that we have that we can go purchase or we can read online for free is it relevant to to today's age does it have something for us now or is it just a history book and that is not really something we can say well here's the facts Mm -hmm. that's something we have to say well this is our opinion or this is our experience and our experience yes because i can think of a couple times in the last few years well, my whole life, but just specifically the last few years, where I have been reading passages, even in the Old Testament, where you would think, well, this is kind of culturally different and weird, and, you know, we don't deal with slavery as much, and, and you know, we don't live this lifestyle of lamps, and, you know, I mean, it's just a different life lifestyle different culture and yet there's been a couple times where i'm reading the last part of genesis or the last part of job and and it rocked my world it really changed the way i thought about humanity the way i thought about my relationship with god where i was convicted to forgive or where god just really grabbed a hold of my heart and and changed my life through reading a passage of scripture. And and I'm sure you've had the same way where sometimes you just like 
wow, God's kind of talking to me. And you have to remember to make sure, you know, just so you're not kooky, you know, you don't want to just say, well, God's talking to me and not have it be based on, when we say God's talking to us, it's not like there's this big audible voice coming out of the sky. No, it's it's more like like God challenging through what you're reading through what you're reading and you know it's like bringing like, your heart alive to it. Yeah, well like we we're talking the scripture I read earlier about that God's word it the scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching so it can teach us things. It's good for rebuking and correcting like if you're off course and you're reading God in the Bible um the way you should be living and you realize, oh, um, I'm not living that way. <laughs> and it, it can kind of bring you back. And it can train you into how to be right with God. Um, and then again, like we said, to, to bring you into a place where you can be living a, a life that is helpful to other people too. You're doing good things. You're, ma- you're being a positive positive um person in the world you know like helpful and cheerful and kind and making a difference sure so hopefully this podcast has um helped people to understand a little bit more about the bible um we had lots of great questions from folks on uh, facebook that was awesome thank you to kyle and to jessica and to wayne and to tim for all your great questions. Mm-hmm. And basically, your questions covered all the questions I had that I was just going to throw out there and talk about. So it worked pretty well. And now we have some good ideas for next week, too, to talk <coughs> maybe about the authors of some of the these books and how God used everyday people from all different vocations. and Which is another miracle yeah. that such an amazing book of literature and and uh, such heartfelt stuff came from so many different people, yet all together had a main theme, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yep. So hopefully we answered some of your questions. You know, we're not like theologians or anything like that. But we do highly recommend if you really, really honestly want answers, because there's some people just pick at it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, if you're really looking for answers on this and you want to do the research, Bible.org. Mm-hmm. is a place to go and you can find all sorts of answers to your questions literally on the validity of the Bible and mm-hmm. and its origin and much better than us rambling on. Yeah. So go over there, Bible.org, and you'll get bunches of your answers or questions answered and then let us know what you think. Yeah. Okay, so it has come to that time in the podcast where we're going to pray for you. And, you know, every single week on Facebook, I always ask, how can I pray for you this week? And then I pray for people. If you would like to be prayed for, all you have to do is leave me a message on my Facebook page or just email me at rick at takingwithyou.com or amy at takingwithyou.com. And we would love to pray for you. But let's pray right now. All right. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's listening to this podcast. And and I'm so grateful, Lord, that we can ask you tough questions that we don't always have to be lemmings that just take everything at, you know, whatever at face value. God, you're so much bigger than that. 
and you care about us as individuals. And it is so cool to jump in and look at the scripture in the way that you want us to look at it. And thank you for giving it to us, first off. And and secondly, thank you, God, that you gave us a brain to understand and a heart to uh, fathom the things that you have in the Bible. And we just, we're just so grateful for it. Thank you for preserving it over all these years so that we could read it and that we could we could look at it for what it is. Thank you, God, that you uh, help us to discern what's right and what's wrong and that um, that you're there for us. And we certainly appreciate you. Bless everyone that's listening. Help them as they, if they're really a true seeker of you, God, would you open up their heart and their eyes and their whole life to you as they read the scripture, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yay. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about a few of the authors of, uh, we'll, 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 we'll talk about Testament. the Gospels, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and who the authors were, what their station in life was, mm-hmm. and why their perspectives differ so much from each other in some areas. It'll yeah. be very, very cool, I think. Very cool. And thank you guys for being with us. We had a few technical challenges tonight, and we had some they don't know that, good um, podcast friends, um, fellow podcast friends, help us to resolve We thought we lost them. the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, we were most of the way through, and then it disappeared. And so um, thank you to Alan Joyce for giving us some good links on how to um, bring back your temporary files. It's like, yay, our heroes. Yeah. So... Um, Thank you very much, and um, we'll probably go to bed here soon because we got done podcasting really very late. late again. And but, I've got um, church and a wedding tomorrow. Yeah. It's so going to be a busy day. It will be a busy day, but, you know, a day Should be a good day. good things for God. As, as always, if you have any questions or you'd like to get a hold of us, we really appreciate feedback more than you'd ever know. Very much. It uh, helps us to keep going forward and doing what we do. We really appreciate hearing from you. So write to us. You know how to. It's really easy. And go to our webpage, takehimwithyou.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, of course, you've heard at the very beginning, we're on the Stitcher Radio Network. So mm-hmm. cool. Thank you, Al, for that awesome little blurb at the beginning. Alan Joyce, you are our buddies, and we appreciate you. Yes. And so fun. listen to their podcast, Tales from the Mouse House and uh, Lost Flight 185, what? 815? Is that what it is? Al also does a MASH one. MASH 4077 podcast. Mm-hmm. They also do uh, Just Because uh-huh. and and the Amazing Race podcast. They're podcasting fanatics. Yeah. I tell you. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah check them out. You. They're really cool. Okay, so w- go ahead. Okay, this has been a Moyer Multimedia LLC production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved. Thank you, dear. You're welcome, dear. <sighs> Good night, everybody. Or bye, or morning. Or... Night, Gracie. You already did that. Bye. John Moyer Moyer Jazz House. Bye.
Hi, and we're the Trekmate Podcast. Join us each week for the latest Star Trek news, in-depth discussions, and some pretty cool guests. And as you'll soon find out, we're a podcast that loves to play games. So join us each week for trivia and competitions galore, where you'll be able to win real prizes. Find us at trekmates.org.uk or on iTunes, Stitcher, and where all cool podcasts are available. Program complete. Enter when ready. Do you remember playing great PC games like King's Quest, Command & Conquer, and X-Wing? Do you remember spending hours tweaking your config sys and auto-exec bat files to eke out just one more K of conventional memory? If you do, then you may be interested in my show, The Upper Memory Block. Every two weeks we talk in-depth about a game, game series, company, or technology from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. We'll discuss the story, gameplay, and technology of the games of the time. But more importantly, we're going to focus on what made each game special, interesting stories from their development, and how they shaped what PC gaming is today. If you remember gaming in the late 80s and early 90s, or you're interested in finding out more about it, come join your host Joe in the Upper Memory Block. That's the Upper Memory Block Podcast at umbcast.com, or find it on iTunes. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're We're huge huge Disneyland Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. So, after our great friends Rick and Amy have enlightened you on their awesome podcast, Take Him With You, why not give us a listen? You'll be happy you did. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey Day. day.